Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we start the pod. If you listen to this on Monday the 7th of August before 3pm and you're around Dublin City Centre, get over to Talbot Street and show solidarity with the workers from Iceland. There is a rally there. Uh, they are now entering, I think it's 45 days of occupying the store on Talbot Street and they're looking for people to come and show solidarity and if you are over there, you will see in the window, it's an amazing mural across all three windows. And the two artists behind it, Spice Bag and Pattern Up, are joining me in the next few minutes to talk about why they did it and also about the controversial posters that have sprung up around Dublin about uh, drug drug taking zones, shall we call them. Uh, and that and that podcast will be out on patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack as soon as humanly possible. It's probably there already. If you're not a member, please join us. It's the easiest bit of activism you can do. It helps keep the conversations like the one you're listening to keep happening and gives me the space to be able to go and reach out to guys like Spice Bag and Pattern Up to talk about why activist art matters. So one more time, patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. I'm going to stop rabbiting on. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we're back, Martin, talking about the fallout from the Spanish election. Uh, and we're joined by two of our friends, uh, Madrid-based journalist Ongil Martin and Professor uh, in in uh, in Madrid, Joe Hassel. But Joe, you're not actually in Madrid at the moment. You're 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 slumming it in Galicia. Um, so so it's it. You've the better. You've you've got the better uh, seat of all of us this morning. How are you keeping? I'm very good. Yeah, it's an it's an important question. Anyone who meets a uh, you know a Spanish girl, which so make sure you find out where her hometown is because you'll be spending every summer there for the rest of your life. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually I mean I joke with Aiden Regan about it and other people like that's basically like that's in the contract. You know, oh, uh, like, a, 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 Aiden Aiden goes just outside uh, Tarragona way. He's 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 on the opposite coast to to you, but yeah, nonetheless, you were giving out about it. Me and me and Martin are here thinking it's a perk you know yeah yeah absolute perk imagine being able to head out to your wife's home territory for the best months of the year i mean perk in spain perk well like, yeah, not so bad. and also you're, you're a, the other thing is like you're a celt you know so they everyone has blue eyes up here you know and looks kind of irish looking so you know you you sort of you blend in a lot better than you do in madrid so anyway the thing about galicia is that they always say you know can you keep the secret you know that's the tourist slogan you know welcome to galicia can you keep the secret so oh yeah yeah, yeah on yeah, that yeah. basis uh you know we have to keep the secret yeah so no one's so it's not really nice guys you don't want to go that's the end oh, of it. It's terrible. You know, <laughs> um, Iceland full of German tourists. Just, just, I, I, we are going to get into the things and we'll be coming to um, the, the Guardian's uh, top columnist now in a minute, um, Owen. But before we do, <laughs> uh, Joe, you were mentioning that you um, found it interesting. Well, there was a collective grief, obviously, for the passing of Sinead, the, for the death of Sinead O'Connor. Um, but you were mentioning almost her importance to the diaspora and how how she was off she was held in such high regard by people you would meet across the globe in all your travels and believe me you do plenty of them so would you mind just tell us a little bit about that on reflection well yeah I mean it's sort of interesting you know as, as an Irish person who lives abroad like who do people talk to you about and a lot of people you know think it's Roy Keane or whatever but the, the number one person I was ever asked about was Sinead O'Connor and that sort of surprised me um, and, you know, particularly in Latin America, you know, everywhere. She did a lot of work with the Mothers of the Disappeared in Amnesty. She did early tours, but also her songs, you know, and it talked about, you know, things that, uh, you know, affected people's lives, whether it's depression or breakup or or just kind of dealing with the complexities of lives. And, and her lyrics, 
meant an awful lot. You know, a lot, actually a lot of her stuff, and I, I didn't really realize it. It was other people that told me comes from the Bible, you know, and and uh, so people would recognize those those verses. Um, but uh, you know, I remember I, I met her briefly once, actually waiting for the the ferry to go off to Shir- over to Shirkin Island. So I managed to have a, a chat with her, and and uh, people were like very wowed by that. But I think it's it's worthwhile because I have a theme about you know Ireland again. People like me who live abroad, we we trade very much on the positive image. You know, you say you're from Ireland, and people smile and. You know, that's not inevitable, like in other words, that if we don't behave ourselves in terms of things like taxation, you know, that that could turn in the other direction. But there's there's three things that make a huge difference. Number one, like the like the most expensive schools in places like Manila, where I'm going in September, are, are run by like De La Salle kind of Christian brothers and, and, you know, in India, literally. So it's really interesting. A lot of people have been educated by Irish missionaries and, and monks and who have been very humanist and, you know, really encouraged people. And, and I benefit from that, you know, as a, you know, as an Irish person. So people like Sinead and I even see like Colin, Colin Farrell is doing the right thing by, you know, uh, not crossing picket lines in terms of the writer strike. So I think that's just the thing about Irish people that... Well, she, well yeah, well, Sinead was a punk though. She was a punk. I, I think that, that that's very... As <laughs> opposed to, uh, to Colin. But I, I just think it's like that we do... You know, the the kind of Irish people I like are the people who are on the right side and, and, and kind of, you know, don't side with the majority to oppress the minority. And, you know, it's a generational thing as we get richer. I think it's important. I hope we don't lose that. And I hope that we always side uh, with the oppressed against the powerful. Yeah, and look, and I think she always did. And I think she did it before many of us were ready to hear it, which is also really, uh, really uh, Deep sadness, but anyway, look, we won't, we won't, we won't labour the point. Uh, we will come on to why we were here this morning to discuss the fallout from the general election that just took place uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, and you sat only a few feet away from me when we. It was, I nice, did. It was nice and cool. We went down. Yeah, we went down to the diggers with a couple of nice, nice pints, and we took it easy. And I said to you, "Hung Parliament would feel like a win." <laughs> And uh, and here we are. All tell me where we don't. You you're going to speculate that we don't have a hung parliament. Where where are we going on? Give us your give us your. Well, no, it, did, your it definitely it definitely felt like a win last last Sunday. I mean, I think the overwhelming feeling was just relief, and then then joy. I went up. I don't live that far. I live about a half an hour walk from the uh, central left socialist party headquarters where they were celebrating, and you know people were were you know were just. Amazing to see the sort of collective joy. They were chanting No Passaran, the anti-fascist chant. And I think there was, a, you know, all the polls, you know, get very close and probably be able to work, um, form a working government. It didn't happen in the end. And that's, you know, it basically because, well, maybe two elements. The first is huge anti-right surge vote. You know, people came out, in, in the middle of July, in you know forty degree heat, the turnout was over seventy percent, um, particularly in Catalonia. When you like, you know, Catalonia at the end was the key. I mean, the vote in Catalonia was incredible. The majority, the majority of Catalans voted for the two progressive coalition parties, um, the Socialists or or the the radical left Sumar, um, and the pro independence vote. Plummeted. I think they went from something like forty-three to twenty something. You know, it basically halved. Um, it was incredible. But you know, they came out to vote against the threat of a hard right government with with a neo-fascist box inside. 
And so I think the polls hadn't quite quite captured that there was going to be such such mobilization against the right. Progresso Spain coming out to defend itself against this type of threat. At the same time, the other element was the fact that I think there was a certain abstention in, among certain centrist voters who were put off by the threat of Vox and also put off by by the performance of the Pepe and its leader. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the, it was a bit of a bit of a disastrous campaign between mm. links to um, drug dealers. And- yeah, not, not just a drug dealer, drug baron. You know, one of the yeah. one of the the top narcos in Spain. I mean, no, it's incredible. Um, so look, I mean, yeah, I think the overwhelming feeling was was relief. I think. You know, it is it is very tight. There is no clear majority. The, the right I mean, have no possibility. Of be, before but before we get to be, okay, before we get to the speculation, what happens next, Joe? To give you your flowers for a moment, the last time we had this conversation with yourself and Owen, you said one of the motivating factors has to be to get out and make sure Vox don't get in. Yeah, I mean that for me, that was just the issue with the election, and and it's you know. I, I tend not to talk about the historical stuff because I think you know that if people talk. Oh, no, about- no, no. Hang on, we have we have to mention Franco in the first paragraph, <laughs> or or we're not doing our job as Anglophiles. Well, that's a, I, you, you do get the feeling sometimes that the people submit their copy and the editor get like Franco that one up a bit, you know, like you <laughs> know, put in some like dark shadows and a couple of things. But uh, you know, I mean, there's you don't have to go back fifty years to have like you can find things that the the, the, the PP have been described as like a mafia, you know, and there is still lots of of uh, things. I would prefer that we focus on that rather than talking about things that happened before people were born. If, if you want to find problems with with uh you know i mean uh, actually one of the things I, i'm going to steal owen's lines now by saying how important the zapatero was in the campaign and and he was very important and he was uh, he kept on just, saying just that- to give just to give listeners the the who aren't aware zapatero was the is a is like the previous pr- uh, prime minister and yet the man came uh basically out of retirement and outside of uh, yolanda diaz owen's favorite person in the world uh he 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 campaigned what the most effectively yeah, well, he he kept on saying that. Like, I mean, Vox is obviously, but like the PP are not exactly choir boys, you know, and the, the PP can do very bad things as well. And I think that that you know may ha, had an effect. But so, but the not having Vox and the problem isn't. I mean, we know what's going to happen. You know, they they just they you know they 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 poison the well. You know, everything just becomes more difficult, and everyone goes into their positions and. You know, we know, like, I, I obviously read probably more of the economic pages and, and you know, Expansion and, and these kind of, like, they were just, like, their manifesto made utterly no sense, you know? I mean, they, they were going to run Spain a bit like Elon Musk was running Twitter, which was, like, just kind of cut, basically, public services and see what happens, you know? And, and that's, uh, you know, Spain just wouldn't have put up with that. So I think we're all very relieved that, I, I mean, I'm sure Owen will mention that, uh, you know that they they were hurt by the electoral system, which isn't as as proportional, perhaps as uh, uh, as as it as it is in Ireland. So so they're kind of still out there. But I think we sh- we should have a moment before we talk about what's going to happen in the future to say that there was a possibility maybe a month ago that what we be looking at at Santia Bascal as as the basically the minister for justice, and that now is not going to happen. So you know what did they say? Go back to your farms and rejoice, or something like. That is okay. Before we go to what happens next, do you think that the fact that Vox were polling so well that it has dragged the conversation to the right for everybody? No, it 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 definitely has. I mean, they've opened up space 
for I mean, I guess for example, the the real leader of of the of the extreme life in Spain is is a Pepe leader. She's the 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 president, regional president of Madrid, uh, Ayuso, um, and you know her her type of anti-feminist rhetoric, um, you know, um, wouldn't have been possible, I think, a few years ago without having without, without having Vox already opened up the space for her. Um, you can also see in the Madrid Parliament, for example, uh, the Pepe, Vox, and um, the old liberal Ciudadanos, they all voted for a motion to outlaw Catalan and Basque separatist parties. I mean, obviously, that was just symbolic. They don't have the powers to do it at a regional level. But that was that was... They were being brought to the right by Vox, and I think that's, you know, that that's the effect having Vox there has produced on the sort of uh, political discourse in Spain, which is now uh, where where we've been talking about this. Like some of the criticism that you guys have taken online, um, obviously, and some of the stuff we were talking about, you know, in terms of Vox, uh, and then all the UK losing the shit for a week over a man who doesn't matter anymore, and Nigel Farage losing his bank account, and we only have to look at the effect his UKIP party had on the Tory party. And point Tony about which is really interesting, which is to say that um the you know, when you go back to Jose Maria Aznar, who was the prime minister before then, he was able to count on getting the support of the Basque nationalists and also of the Catalan nationalists. So in a sense, like and Vox was absolutely created to drag the center to the right, to, to make you know, the Overton window, if you want to talk about it, like this idea to make things possible for the center that were now no longer possible for the center. But what's happening now is that it, you cannot get a majority without including, you know, the, the, the Basque country and the Catala and Catalonia, which is so you sort of have the irony that it's more fun probably for the PP. But if they want to get back into power, they have to make uh, alliances and agreements and they have to start taking Catalonia you can't just kind of like you know damn the Basques and damn the Catalans so that's sort of the the issue that they're in now which is to say that it's electorally among their own base but I think it's as as somebody said online that you know it's one person one vote so having people like really love the Pepe only gets them one vote uh, so they have to try and find um, some sort of like um they have to find some a better relationship with both the the Basque country and also Catalonia if they want to get I, back. Yeah, I think there there's a real dilemma there for them because you're right. Like we would have if if we discount the Basque country and Catalonia, there would be an absolute majority for the for the right in the rest of Spain. No, um, but at the same time, the Pepe, I think they they are facing two dilemmas, pretty pretty closely linked. The fir- the first is yeah, do do they now focus on trying to basically crush Vox, i.e. focus on the battle on the right flank, or do they try and focus on attracting people in the center? And the thing is, there isn't that many people in the center. There's a very little transfer between left and right. It's two polarized blocks. And so the issue is, do they go with someone like Ayuso, the, the Trumpist Madrid uh, governor, president, or do they try and go for a softer centrist line? And I think all... They're so the Pepe is so Madrid centered and it's so obsessed with the Madrid media that they set the sort of tone for the whole thing. And the Madrid, I mean, you know, you know, we're talking like sort of Fox News esque media outlets, etc. And the only way they're going to go is towards the right. And I think it is an issue. I mean, one thing I guess I would say is that the the percentage the Pepe and Box got totally was about forty five point five percent. Which is one percent higher than the t- uh, the two times the Pepe got an absolute majority, but, but they were, but they were because 
that percentage was divided between two parties, it didn't translate into as many seats. But there is, I think the PayPay will bet on a basically a Trumpist strategy. They're going to bet. They're they're going to go. So so rather than the defeat of um, the importation of culture wars, uh, this may be uh, lean harder into it, Joe, because there is a worry. Because as you we we spoke about this previously, that if Vox had gotten in to be the kingmakers, they would have insisted on certain um, briefs within government where they could do more damage to to the, the you know the likes of um, LGBTQ rights, the, the the you know the the certain certain things that we would have thought were settled. You know, human rights were settled issues, and they wanted to unsettle them, and they would have done that again. Yeah, I mean, I, I would share Owen's analysis that it, like, it's a so is is the future. You know, whether we want to, like, so 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 the more bad news. <laughs> yeah, there's more bad news, but but that's the thing, Tony. Like, the, you know, the, the there's a saying. I remember it was a guy from Zimbabwe used to say. He said, "Never feel that things can't get worse." You know, and 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 this is you know, sad be the way that that things go. Everyone's always out to vote for someone for easy solutions to hard problems. You know, nobody is going to talking about like. Investing like the the three problems that Spain has, and these are not unusual in terms of of wider European sort of a situation. Um, which is which is one is is I guess government waste. Now I don't mean that in, in, in like that spending money on schools and hospitals is a waste. Like, but just kind of like you know, I mean, Spain spends money saves subsidies to oil companies and all sorts of like kind of nonsense that that perpetuates problems. Then they have an issue with productivity or low wages, which I'm sure Owen will will pipe up. And like that's basically the 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 we we need to stop valuing our, our economy based on house prices and start valuing our economy based on wages because wages is, is sort of what matters. And then the third thing is is the periphery versus the center, which is to say, how do we try and uh, people are moving towards the city that we need to invest much more in in kind of apart from the big cities. And like those are kind of like the the three problems. Uh, lads lads we decided on the strategy as the world burns we're going to just turn the whole middle of spain into solar panels and wind farms and the rest of us can be damned you know well you know uh, like tony the, well, that's not actually the worst of ideas in the world <laughs> <laughs> it just means that people would have to get oh look no there, there are, I, i'm only i'm only half joking about that there are reports well, there are there are large parts of spain that are basically basically that now you know you know yeah but they're talking <laughs> but they're talking about turning like large you know this is the yeah, this is one of the the things of like collective Europe, and it's what terrifies people as part of. Then it becomes this also stupid of argument as well. That's that's a World Economic Forum idea, you know, and, and we're all been we're all been used. Spain, which, if you were to design a country in terms of renewables, so the Spain is what you would get. Like, I mean, they they basically have everything you would need, whether it's wind or or solar or even geothermal. Like, it has all of the stuff. But in a way, what's happened, and and this is getting off topic, I know, which is to say that Spain embraced it too early. And perhaps, you know, the technologies weren't as advanced as they are now. So it, it just became a negative. And then there was all sorts of issues in terms of the feed-in tariff and like the like perverse resources drove, you know, it's like the famous Cobra problem in India where they were like, you know, they were if they were going to give you $50 every time you would give a Cobra, people went and started to breed Cobras to get their <laughs> you know so you had those kind of things so it, it's become a, it's become um you know a, a problem but you know energy is really important in terms of an economy and in terms of again trying to move to us like you know germany the success of germany a lot of it is down to the fact that they were getting cheap energy uh, and if spain could get cheap energy you know then that could uh, have have rising wages so you know it's not the it actually it's not a bad idea for ireland either you know if, it, it, 
in terms of like yeah we, we've had this conversation but we also worry that the same infrastructure we're going to build will be outsourced to some managed funds <laughs> i tried to buy a solar farm on the way home there you go joe there is there they are they are picking I'm thinking up more wind now i have to say than than uh than solar but um can i ask both of you now okay so we've established if you wanted a working government you don't start from here but what is here where is the government going to come from? Or is Tony right? Is this hung? Is this going to another election? But, oh, you know, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's basically you have two pretty pretty even blocks, right and left, and then in the middle, you have you have this sort of I don't know the um, the party of the the Catalan bourgeoisie, basically, not the the right wing pro independence uh, junst and. They they hold the balance of power basically, and any any working majority will have to at least have their abstention. And their two their two big demands at the moment are, I mean, you know, these are initial demands. There's no chance of them actually being being um, being being got, but are an independence referendum and a full amnesty for all all involved in the um, 2017 independence push. And so you know, it's it's a party led by. Um, Carl Puigdemont in in exile, in exile, from, yeah, from Brussels, from Waterloo, um, who's who has an arrest a warrant out against him. Um, he's had his immunity, European immunity, removed. As you can't as see it, I, I I have a yellow ribbon over my left shoulder. I see. It's, there you go. It's, it's upsetting good. Joe, though. Well, I mean, it it is a, it is ironic. I think you know that. I think people had wanted to sort of put the put the sort of Catalan issue behind them a little, a little bit. Well, there's never going to be. There's not going to be a a, a Catalan refer independence no, referendum. No, no, there's zero, but, zero chance. But, that, but there is yeah. there is some chance for some sort of um, uh, rapprochement, I suppose. There, in there terms could of- be a referendum on the Estatutes, you know, which was a sort of the the you could argue that the PP mishandled that, and and uh, you know that could there could be some sort of referendum that would allow people to vote on on something, um, you know, going back to. The, the deal that that Asnar made with Jordi Piol, where he transport a whole heap of of competencies to uh, to to Catalonia, I think there is, and actually Tony, you might be the more of the expert on this rather than than me and Van Owen, but like there is a lot of fatigue in terms of the yes. pros- a lot of push was put into it, and they didn't get a lot in the end. And you know, there's all not only is the whole Pujamon wants to come back to to have like um you know a pantomac in in Girona, but there there's the whole issue of a lot of people their personal wealth is they have kind of things hanging over them. Uh, that, the cost of living, the, the cost of living crisis, even you know the 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 performance of the economy, the the issues around housing, all of those are much more higher up the hierarchy than than the idea of the of the, of the Catalan independence movement. You can see it on the streets of Barcelona and Girona and the towns that surround it because you, where you had murals, you don't have murals anymore. Where you have some murals now, there's more There's more now feminist, um, radical feminist murals I saw uh, la- a month ago than I did for, you know, uh, Pujamon and, and, and the guys. But I suppose, but I'm putting that to, to one side, then here's a question that neither of you have, have um, commented on. At, at some level... Did uh, and and he got he got kind of a lot of grief, Pedro Sanchez, about this snap election and calling it in July and all that. So what did was there any reward? Do you think for the work they actually did in government, the actual work? Like I mean, Spain's 
inflation rate is the envy of all of the EU and some of the work that they've done. It, well, well, we are very critical here. Some of the work they've done, uh, you know, I know, Joe, you probably, you might come in with some of it, but um, do you think any of voters actually rewarded them for, for their performance in government? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, his campaign strategy was largely negative or it was like anti-fascist, you know, the the right are at the gates, et cetera, the barbarians are at our gates, you know, we got to, st- you know, stem the tide. But if it's purely empty anti-fascism, it probably wouldn't have worked. I mean, that, this strategy has been u- tried to u- be used in other countries with with less success. And I think he could point to reforms and policies which they have pushed through and which have made a difference and that the right would have repealed if they got in. Yeah, I mean, some of the some of the feminist legislation and some of the cost of living and measures such such as the the cap on electricity prices and the re- labor labor law reform, et cetera. And so I think I think it was a bit of both. I mean, I think overwhelmingly it was okay. Results uh, against against you know this this quite radical right right wing government that would have come in, but I think that type of messaging wouldn't have worked if you know if he hadn't been also able to point to to certain certain advances. Um, and so I think yeah, I mean at the end of the day, for example, in Catalonia, people were voting also on the current coalition's policy in Catalonia, which is one of dialogue and one of trying to reduce tensions. And you know it was a vote to stop the right, but also against a return to the confrontation. Because yeah, as you were saying, people are exhausted. So I think, you know, they have, a lot of their policies are quite popular. And I think that 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 helped, that aided their sort of anti-fascist strategy. But it was definitely like, yeah, people weren't talking about, weren't talking about the environment, weren't talking about energy, weren't talking about jobs. We were talking about, yeah, either on the right, they were talking about ETA, they were talking about these types of scare tactics. And on the le- on, on the left, the threat of the right. So they were secondary, but they were, you know, I think they they made it a more feasible strategy. Go on, go on Joe. problem with good management is that if, you, you know, he has managed situations like inflation or whatever, so he, it never became bad, so he wasn't seen as... <laughs> Roy, Roy, Roy Keane voice. <laughs> <laughs> Big steady thing, you know, so it was a sort of like because, I and mean, then literally like Spain... Spain went against Europe and, and then Europe ended up sort of copying their policies in a lot of areas. But because he he sort of, they, and it wasn't just Pedro, but uh, Nadia Calvino and, and other ministers as well, they managed the situation very well. It wasn't as if like something was bad and then they fixed. And, you know, it's the old, the, the, you know, whenever the, the old thing about the guy, the politician who gets elected is the guy who fixes the pothole, you know. So it's therefore like, do you create potholes in order to fix them? And I think Pedro didn't get a lot of credit because he never let the situation get bad. So they they anticipated certain issues, whether they were rent control or things like that. And and then they kind of didn't allow the problem to happen. So, you know, perhaps he would have got more credit if he was able to sort of fix something that was broken. But I would also agree with what what Owen says, which is to say that, you know, if the underlying message doesn't, you know, if if, it wasn't there, in other words, if people weren't broadly satisfied with their situation, then the other stuff wouldn't have resonated and they would have given the other guy a chance, no matter what that was. But I think it's true. It's, Pedro is, um, he's an unusual politician in that he, he does 
kind of, um, you know, we, we talk about all our politicians that they're obsessed with spin and media, and he is a guy who doesn't give the exclusives, which was what a lot of the Spanish journalists were complaining about. Like, he doesn't give the soft focus Pedro at home with his breakfast, and he doesn't court the journalists in the way that, you know, that they like to be courted. And he is, like, he spent a lot of the campaign in Brussels doing work, you know, as part of the presidency of the EU. He was like, what's, you know, what's going on here? Where is Pedro? He's in, oh, he's in Brussels dealing with some sort of like uh, European issues. So it needs to be more self. You know, it needs to be more self-aware than that. No, he is is very, I mean, he did. I mean, I think it was a strategy in the sense that he did a lot of interviews during the campaign. And I think it's true. Like he'll disappear, you know, basically not do any TV interviews for, for months on end, et cetera. But I think it was a blitz campaign. I mean, he went he went on every major TV show in the country, and you know I think it did because in a sense he he was too passive in the last couple of years in terms of la- allowing the sort of narrative around him as as this sort of autocrat, power hungry autocrats in bed with Spain's enemies, etc. Um, and so, but it's sort of <laughs> I mean in some ways you know a, a series of interviews managed to push back against that. So I think you know. Um, well, you know, from from the description, you know, I'm, I'm taking what Tony said. It, it looks hung to Tony, and from your description of the situation, it looks that there is far too much involved to pull off any kind of deal. No, there there, there will be. I mean, that's the thing. This is this has been got. If 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 you've been living in Spain for the last six or seven years, I mean, this is the fifth the fifth election in seven years. The majorities haven't changed that much. They always manage. I mean, you know, the last minute to sort of scrape something together. I don't think this government will last very long. I mean, I think it will take months to actually negotiate um, an investiture vote, but and then maybe it will only last eighteen months, two years. The only, I think, the only scenario in which, but he'll be the prime minister of it. Yeah, Sanchez. Like, yeah, so, no. so, so, no, 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 because before we came on air, we were worrying about how to, you know, <laughs> how, to, how to pronounce Fe, 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 See, Fe, I can't think. No, Fe, 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 Fe Ho is dead. He's dead. he's gone. He's you know he's you know and a, a sort of you know the sort of mediocre grace streak who people won't remember in ten years. I mean he he tried like you, Mark. He, <laughs> he tried he tried to be you know he's just very very sort of dull conservative politician from from you know regional Galicia and he tried he tried to do a Trumpian campaign. Uh, come on, Joe. Come on, Joe. <laughs> Stand just, up for Galicia. He's just you know he, he did yeah. he didn't have the charisma, the charisma to be Trump. So it was just, it was pathetic. I mean, it was really sort of pathetic. I prefer to talk about Yolanda Diaz. They forgot. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 Was Yolanda, was Yolanda Diaz um, central to the the idea that that. Uh, a left, broad left, progressive um, government actually can get things done because she she had she she seemed to be the person Joe who who said actually let's give people something to vote for not against. I mean she's an outstanding performer and and uh, you know I, I say this my my wife grew up in the same town as her and they're about the same age so she obviously hates her you know because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same way that if you were in the same class as somebody who became famous, you, you obviously have to hate them. So oh, I, he was always a prick. Yeah, yeah. I hope she doesn't like coming screaming at me. But I have to say that, um, you know, she is the the, the difference between her and Podemos uh, is a huge factor uh, because 
she, you know, believes in the power of the state to do something where the Podemos are instinctively mistrustful of state power. Uh, and that's a sort of the, the difference between the two of them. So, you know, she is a labor lawyer. She sits down with the details. I, I mean, I have a number of, of companies, you know, and, and when we would be putting together articles of association, I mean, the, the, we'd be going line by line of the contract, like the call could take 10 hours, you know, each person would read out each clause and say, what do you think that means? What do you think that means? And that's the way we would negotiate contracts. And you know, that is real politics. And that's Yolanda Dia. Like, that's what she does. I mean, she was like, had to be hospitalized for overwork and, and, and lots of those kind of things. But she has been, um, you know, she what she achieved in terms of things like the minimum wage, you know, she she stuck to her issues. And, um, you know, she she definitely has showed bogus self-employment. Well, there you go. There you go. I mean, there might be someone on this call who knows something about that. But but <laughs> I think that was, you know, those are real things, you know, and, and Owen has written or sorry, I should say The Guardian have written uh, just about, you know, wars between her and, and uh, you I, know, yeah, Owen, 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 Owen only writes fan fiction for Yolanda. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, that's all right. I've been hearing that a lot, actually, lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I couldn't resist a second dig at it. Owen. I couldn't. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, the point on, I mean, it's something that you know about uh, the, the debate between her and Calvino, uh, you know, at the cabinet level about. I mean, go into that for a minute. Landa won something. So she didn't win in things like housing. You know, she yeah. did get what she needed, what she looked for. Ah. Can you just explain some of that very quickly before? Because I want to think it's important. Because Joe, you spoke about her background as 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 a as a lawyer. We've known about her. She's been a member of the Communist Party all her life, pretty much. Um, she believes in the power of the state to get things done as well. Uh, but she has had to moderate a lot of that in in government. And Owen, you know a little bit more about that than than we do, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, as as Joe was saying, one of the sort of key battles in, in inside this government over the last few four years was between the two deputy prime ministers, the Labour Minister Yolanda Diaz and the economic sort of orthodox economics ex-Brussel um, EU commission uh, commission uh, official Nadia Calvino. And Calvino has sort of resisted all, you know, from, from the legislation on bogus uh, self-employment to minimum wage hikes to, you know, to the various progressive anti-inflation measures you know, her role has basically been trying to water it down, play, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And having someone like Yolanda Diaz, who has become a you know, very popular figure, she, you know, she she normally polls as the most popular political leader in the country. Having someone like that as a sort of counterweight to the sort of more orthodox economic um, elements within the center-left socialist party has made a difference. And it has, you know, again, it's not revolutionary. It's not. But, you know, given the balance of power, in the parliament, in in the cabinet, they have done good stuff, and yeah, I mean, um, she's a very charismatic figure. I think her campaign took time to get going. The, the sort of last stretch, it really took off. I mean, it, you know, her sort of left unity coalition, Sumar, was put together very much at the last minute. The first weeks were, which of the campaign were just consumed by internal negotiation. You didn't think it was going to work. Well, I mean, let you well, know, you were skeptical. Well, I mean, they had ten. They'd had they'd had you know a year to try and do a deal, and then they had ten days, and they did. They pulled it off in a very sort of uh, fractious way. You know, I mean, there was a lot of people who were very angry with 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 how it turned out in the end. But look, 
they got it right the last stretch of the campaign. I think, you know, one of her strengths is she's a very, she is very charismatic, you know, person who who's a great communicator. And I think her campaign and her, you know, um, I think a lot, a lot of her staff acknowledged they got it wrong in the first couple of weeks where they tried to present her as, as a sort of more soft-spoken, you know, non-threatening figure. She's a warrior, you know, let her go on the attack against the right, against the rich. People want to hear that stuff. And that's, that's what sort of allowed the left surge towards the end. Did she get called the populist for it? Um, I don't know. Like she, you know, that's the thing is I'd like a little bit more populism. That, that would be my critique. No, I, I think that's, that's where I she, just, I don't know. I just, no, I think I that's where she would go. Like, I mean, I think she does need, you know, oh, and I okay. think some of her staff, some of her staff had one, have tried to position her too much as a centrist. And I think it didn't work. And we saw then, like, you know, we have to remember the local elections in May, the left, the left got 1.5 million votes. In the general election, when they came together on, under her platform, they got 3 million. That's what, you know, that was decisive in keeping out the right. You know, can I, it, can I ask, because uh, jokingly, Tony said about solar panels and uh, across the middle of Spain, jokingly, has this election missed the elephant in the room as far as Spain is concerned, which has to be climate, has to be the elephant in the room in Spain. Has it just totally missed that? Uh, yeah, it has, but Spain and everybody else, Martin, you know. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you, Joe, but we're not having a, we haven't had a, a four-year drought. We're, we're not suffering. And, the and, and an El Nino about to happen. You know, we're not suffering the same as Spain is. You would think when the problem is that acute yeah. that it would make it to the top of the political agenda. I don't think Spain is quite suffering as much as it will be. You know, in other words, it's it's the whole thing about slowly, slowly all at once. And and that's a lot of the issues that will happen in Spain, which is like, you know, people will, will manage, manage with heat, you know, one degree more, one degree more, or those kind of things. But, you know, the scenario whereby everyone moves to the north of the country, climate refugees from uh, Africa, uh, you know, agriculture, water not available for agriculture. Agri- agriculture and, and again, you, you've got the perfect, ugly, toxic storm because Spain is very dependent on Ukraine grain and wheat. The, yeah. like, you know, like, I mean, and, and now with the... Ed- the current end of the UN grain deal, that's a big concern. Like I saw already food food inflation jumped everywhere by four times the rate. So, you know, like and this is this is just on the back of the of that deal. And now we've got Putin running around promising everybody in Africa that he'll give them theirs because he, they're trying to use so I you know, geopolitically, Joe, it's 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 bad news. Yeah, it's huge news. And I mean well the the thing people talk about here is the price of olive oil in the supermarket, you know, which has yeah. kind of gone to eight or nine euros a bottle where it used to be four point five, and that's like a, a basic staple. And the olive crop I mean, there are farmers who now don't even plant, you know, I mean they because they know they're 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 not going to uh their the crop just isn't gonna grow. Um but there has to be you, you know, it's it's like there has to be a sort of um an emphasis on agriculture in the way there's an emphasis on banks. You know, everyone talks about like the banks can't be allowed to fail. Well, you know, the farmers can't be allowed to fail either. So yep. how, how much of that will happen? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very much, I mean, the, the problem is that it's, 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 it is very solvable, you know, but, but it it's, it's the sort of like who bears the costs, you know? Yeah. And, 
and you know, I'm as conscious. If Owen disappeared for five minutes, I'd say, you know, the left needs to stop us making feel bad, and and you know, there has to be a kind of an encouragement of it, and that's see still where we are now. Like the, the left are kind of trying to make us all feel bad about it, and and the right are kind of but are resisting you know, bearing the costs of it. So that's what we need to work out. Who bears Oh, and make them feel But if we could work on it, make them feel worse. Well, I mean, obviously, like, yeah, I don't know. The, the left in Spain generally supports a Green New Deal. You know, it's 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 the opposite of that. No, it's we have to avoid green austerity. I mean, that's that's what that's what. The no, well, there's no there's no climate. Here. There's no climate action without social justice. Exactly. Yeah. Like there just can't be, and that's why our that's why our government has failed. So not because... to go not to go back, but like Yolanda Diaz defines her her project as green laborism, green laborism, and that's you know it's uh, you know workers' rights, protecting living living standards, and and combating climate change. And it's we we can get into whether she's ambitious or or, or enough uh, in her in her program, but that's you know that's the general agenda, and it is it's the opposite of that. I guess what Joe was trying to imply is you know green austerity. That the Greens in Ireland might want to, you know, middle class green politics wants to impose or whatever. So well, they, you know, they, they want, they want, they, they, they still think market solutions in certain aspects are going to are going to save the day. And exactly. Joe, um, but but can we have a real quick question for all three of you um, now to, to bring it back for the benefit of our listeners to the to the Irish um, uh, prism view through the Irish prism for a minute. Uh, Martin, you you start. I'm going to put it to you. Uh, is there anybody who you think resembles Yolanda Diaz in in, in Irish politics? God no. Um, God, it's a difficult one at the present moment in time. Well, if you can't think of it straight away, Paul Murphy is as close no, as you're going to get no, on the no, on no, the. No, 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 Stop recording! Stop recording! Call that! Call that! Environment. I like. I like. I like. No, no. hold on. On environment. You didn't let me finish. On environment. And I would say that generally for PPB, that they are ahead of everybody else on environment. Um, everybody else is, is now, you can argue whether they're right or wrong, but for me, they're ahead of everybody Very Quick, else. quick, quick, quick. Now, that's uh, it. So Joe, that's Joe, the reason Joe. I, I don't think my knowledge of Irish politics is good enough. I mean, there's Alison. It's good enough. You, you, you know, know. Yes. I'm, 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 I'm not a lawyer, you know. Someone, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I have an easy go answer, which, go, which, go. Well, which I tell to Spanish people, and Spanish people like it. I think it's not going to play well with an Irish audience, but it's go. that the the European leader that closest that yeah closest resembles Yolanda Diaz is Mary Lou Macdonald, um, which might which again maybe you don't you guys don't want to hear that, but in the sense that you know she is in the sense that part of what Yolanda Diaz as a as a as a figure that can appeal to maybe beyond the radical left is that, you know, she has, she comes across as very confident, very, very well-spoken, slightly, you know, a slightly softer image to what her, you know, her, her actual historical background is. I mean, I, I'm more in line with, with, you know, with Yolanda's background probably, but look, uh, you know. So we call this move to the center then. Is that what we call it? Appeal no, to the center of not. It, no, yeah, center. exactly, exactly. An appeal to the center. It's not necessarily a change um, in in the substance, but maybe you know, I, if, I, if you're going to get into, if you if you are, if you, I mean that's the thing. I mean, at the end of the day, part of the problem with the with the Irish, you know, independent TDs who who don't want to govern, they are not interested in governing. Um, whereas, if the left want to try and govern in 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 some sort of way, you also have to be able to project an image 
of like, okay, we know what we're fucking doing. We're not just, you know, uh, and so no, no, that, no. That, that, there is a lot to be said so, in that aspect for for because yeah. no, the, the my favorite one is um is the when the when the last storm of elections took place and it was clear that Sinn Fein were going to have the potentially the first minister seat for the first time. One of the uh, uh, unionist loyalist friends that we had, Martin, I don't know if you saw the message he got from the mother, and the mother said, "I guess Mary Lou's our mammy now." Uh, I, and and they said, "Don't, and we're not worrying too much about it, like because they thought because they do think of her differently than they think of previous leaders of Sinn Fein, even in loyalist unionist communities, even though they, you know, there's hardcore people that don't accept it. But I will say, you know." I did text the uh, the head the um, head of the press office in Sinn Fein yesterday about something, and you never got back to me, Joan. I know you listen to this podcast, so bloody well reply. Uh, can, can I just say about uh, Mary Lou Macdonald? I think she's been so successful for Sinn Fein. When you consider the change that she she came after Jerry Adams, and everybody thought, you know, it's very hard to fill those shoes. She's not only filled those shoes; she's expanded them quite a bit. So as politicians go, as a leader of a party, hugely, hugely successful. Do I agree with moving to the centre? No, the centre was moving to you anyway. You didn't need to move to it. So, yeah, but no, as a politician, yeah, huge. huge I'm biased successful. by listening to Oliver Callan, you know, with the whole kind of saying to own a brain minister for complicated stuff. And, yeah, yeah. Isn't it, isn't it, <laughs> you were all laughing, but, but part of part of me thinks Bertie got a third term because more people liked gift grow Bertie than they did actual politician Bertie Aaron because they thought Mario Ro- uh, Rosenstock's Bertie Aaron was someone you wanted to have a point with, you know, because people like that. Look, if we could go, let's just say so, right, really quick finish. Oh, and you think there's going to be a government and you think it's going to limp on then for 18 months and we're going to be back in this um, wash, rinse, repeat cycle again? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to be that different to what we had for the last four years, but there is a it is moving to the right in the sense that it now depends on two two right wing nationalist parties as well. Above all, Junts, but also the the Basque Nationalist Party. These are liber, li, liberal centre right parties, so it is going to complicate more further social reforms. You're going to have to negotiate everything with these two parties. There is room, though, for example, for for democratic reforms. The Spanish state needs democratic reform. And that the but both these parties are on board for that, and I think territorial and democratic reform of 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 Spain's highly politicized judiciary, of its you know oppressive um, uh, state apparatus around police, etc. I think that stuff is where where this possibility of reform. It's going to be more difficult, I think, to do you know in, in terms of social reform. The EU funds are arriving. Supposedly, the billions are coming for the you know the, the Green New Deal. Exactly. Well, the Green Deal. But anyway, I think I think you know. Hopefully, I think if they could, for example, move on judiciary, which is you know one of the great limits to Spanish democracy at the moment. I think that and would the be Irish, by the way, and the Irish. well, it's just nothing. You know, it's 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 similar to the states. It's really it's it, it, you know. Joe, last word to you. Um, and bear in mind, we are planning to ask you once we turn off the mics. Are we all going to be um doing having our winters um in Spain and all the Spanish coming to Ireland for this for the summer? You know, but last word to you. Where do you think it's all going? Yeah, I mean, I think there'll be a deal. Um, I, I think Fajo is, is not going to last. And I think that Ayuso will, will be the coming force. 
Um, and uh, I, but it's very, and I think Europe still continues to dictate a lot of policy. You, you know, like nobody arrives at the cabinet like the civil servants prepare whatever is coming from Brussels. Okay, these are the, the basically directives that have to be put into law. Uh, the other thing that we didn't mention is, of course, that Spain is a decentralized country. So you have like issues going on in Extremadura, you have issues going on in Adelicia and, and, and even in, in Galicia. But I, do, I think that um, Pedro will get to remain president of Europe, which I think is a, is a good thing uh, for everyone. Um, and I think that, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Ayuso does because she won't want to leave being president of Madrid for being in the opposition. And she's, of course, not a deputy either, you know, so in the parliament. So she has both of those issues that, that she has to deal with. But, you know, I mean, my closing words would be, you know, we have eliminated Vox, uh, or well, maybe not eliminated, but but they are not in government. Um, and but I think that they are in a lot of regional governments, so that will be another source of tension. But but, but they also terrified people, like they banned films in 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 some of the local areas that they were in power, like crazy shit. They banned yeah. they banned Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, don't, they, don't start to get like I mean, you know, can we stop talking about that kind of like library? I mean, there's there was guards outside library books in Dublin at one stage, wasn't oh, there? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Excuse me. But actually, on the other way, they're, they're helping them go into, they're helping the right go into the library. Actually, the most significant thing that has happened with the libraries is they've now changed policy. Yeah, terrible. That if if you are a seventeen year old and you want to access certain material that is for twelve plus, you have to seek. Uh, parental approval first, which is great. Right. That's a change that has been affected by crazy fucking people, by <laughs> fucking crazy. Imagine, people. imagine, imagine being a sixteen-year-old and, and wanting to find your own way, find your path, and you can't, you can't go to a library and do it. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I would like to sum up and say, Joe, oh, thank you. No possible. Yeah, uh, no pass around. No, you had to throw it. Yeah, listen, uh, listen, folks. Don't face the cry on the hillside. I, 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 uh, I did, uh, I did put in. I, I don't know. Did you see the the tweet I put up after result where I where I highlighted that um, I had said in the podcast? I said uh, a hung parliament would be a win. Oh, you did, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, 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 but I replied below it and I said. If Christy Moore had any sense, he'd rewrite me into uh, Viva La Quinta Brigada. And, and he liked the tweet, so it's important. He might. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll get a verse in the next version. <laughs> it's a grand old song, you know. I'd sing it along myself. You know? <laughs> Just don't dig too deeply. We'll talk to you soon, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.